Welcome to the Rest and Recovery Podcast. This is a podcast on life's most effective healing tools, rest and recovery, through expert advice, wellness methods, and self-care. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. With me today is Chandler Scott. He is an endurance coach and founder of Excel Endurance. So Chandler, thanks for uh, joining me. Thanks for having me, Scott. Uh, It's great to have you on. We were kind of chatting offline. Um, This is endurance sports is a little bit of my my thing too, and uh, my background and even the the genesis of the podcast, a contributing factor of my life so and it sounds like uh, based on what i've learned from you that's kind of where you you're sitting and also just how to do it wisely right how to chain train smart for the everyday athletes like most of us on the planet um out there who still strive to maintain a level of fitness and pushing ourselves but not um blowing ourselves up too much because we have other things that we have to account for absolutely absolutely i i feel like most athletes, unless you're chasing top performance in your age group or pro, are, are looking to use endurance sports as a conduit to doing things well in their everyday life. Um, and endurance is just a facet of their life. And it, it shouldn't take over, um, but there are ways to do it smartly. So like you said, you're not breaking yourself. You're not crushing yourself in the process. You're doing it so it supports everything else in your life. Yeah, and I think it's finding that that tension of being able to to do all in, so to speak, in all those categories. But also, like you said, so like kind of keeping that vision in mind is like, why are you doing it? Right, keeping that that why aligned properly. Um, Absolutely. So before we jump too much further into into some of the the how tos and the best practices around around training. Um, a little bit of background on you, like what's your kind of uh, Genesis one, one story. Sure. Sure. Um, so my, my story actually starts kind of outside of the endurance world. Um, I grew up playing soccer, not doing it well, kind of really, really out of shape, got cut from a few different teams. Um, and then kind of made this transition into short track speed skating, where I really found a passion for exercise combined with like hard work because in the sport of speed skating, it's so technically demanding Mm -hmm. that you have to work really, really hard. It's also physically demanding in terms of strength, power, endurance, speed. It kind of had that mix of everything. So it's where I learned a lot of my kind of drive that for training and getting better through sport. But along that process, I had some unfortunate experiences where I didn't make teams again, kind of pushed myself a little bit too close to the edge of, of burning out and almost lost my passion for sport completely. But what saved me in that process was switching into a little bit more of an endurance based training mindset. So I started doing some cycling races, started trying to do some triathlon. And when I did my first triathlon, I, I honestly fell in love with that sport. Yeah. The, the mix and the combination of swim, bike, run back to back is just, unless you've done one, it's hard to explain how you feel at the finish line because every muscle group and every area of your body is tired in some way. And so that's kind of where 
I've now come to the point of, of being a triathlon a triathlete, I should say, um, myself along this whole kind of personal training journey. I've also been coaching. So through speed skating, I was coaching, um, helping athletes behind me. And then when I started getting into cycling and triathlon, I also started coaching as well, mainly because I saw the mistakes that I made getting too close, burning out, um, really pushing that edge, maybe not taking as much recovery and rest as I should be and wanting to start to help athletes do the same. Cause as we kind of talked about the, the population that I really enjoy working with is the people that are doing things in multiple facets of their life. They're trying to do really well in their work life. They're trying to do really well in their family life, in their personal relationships. And they're also trying to do really well in sports. They may not be, let's say, PRing or podiuming every race, but they're trying to use that kind of like I mentioned as a as a conduit to everything else within their life. So yeah. that's kind of where Excel Endurance was born is to try to help athletes achieve that. That's great. Yeah, uh, I could have used you about ten years ago, uh, or should have used someone like you ten years ago. Because uh, as we kind of talked offline, and other folks listening to the podcast have heard before, like it kind of what you're you're addressing was what occurred for me where burnout, where I was trying to do exactly that. Like the vision was good. The application wasn't in that, you know, I was trying to do too much or not do it well or wisely where you can still do all the things, get the most out of it, but keep it in context, right. And take account for the total load in your life, which at the time for me, my personal story was I wasn't, Right. I was pushing it way too hard. I wasn't accounting for the fact that I got three hours of sleep because my kids were up all night. So did I adapt my training? No, I went out and did the training that was prescribed and probably even too fast. Uh, you know, it's in those little tactical things that in the moment they seem bigger than they are. Uh, but if you just take a little bit off of those things, like the, the longevity and the recovery is there. Absolutely. And it, it is, it's learning to, it's learning to balance stress. Cause one of the things that I tell every athlete is that stress is the same, whether it's work life or training. And you only have, I always use the same analogy is that you've got a bucket or a cup, depending on how big you want to make your, your stress, um, kind of catch all. Once that's tapped out, you can't expect more from yourself. So yeah. you have to look at everything that's in that bucket in the context of your life. Now, I always preface this because I don't have kids yet. I am married. Um, so I'm in a very long-term relationship. I work full-time as a physiotherapist. I coach athletes online and I train for Ironman and 70.3 races. So I've got a lot in my bucket, Right. but you almost need four other buckets when you start adding in a family and kids. Like you said, because suddenly if you get three hours of sleep because your kid's awake all night, well, that pretty much fills the bucket to the brim. And you only have a little bit left to do training and work and getting through the daily life from there. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, uh, when you work with clients um, like myself, who could have used to, uh, work with them to, to assess and determine, you know, when it's okay to kind of push through or how to adjust the training in those moments. Let's keep with that example, like the three hours of sleep, whatever the reason, whatever the catalyst, right. You traveled, yeah. whatever, you only got a handful hours of sleep. 
but yet on today, the morning you're supposed to get up, it's an intensive. Maybe you have a brick for a triathlon. How would you adapt or encourage the person to keep their mindset in line? So they're not too negative. Right. Cause I think that's where a lot of people, at least for me would go. It's like, Oh, I got to get it in. Or I would self-deprecate because I didn't get it in because I had the sleep, even though it wasn't in my control. Absolutely. And I, I think, I think there's a couple of different strategies there. I'll, I'll talk on a mindset piece first and then a little bit more of like a tactical, like how can you start to measure and look at that things? One thing is kind of mindset is, is taking a little bit longer view with things, especially if you have a lot of kind of things in the bucket, let's say. So a missed workout or a reduced workout a few times through the week or a few times through the month is not going to make or break your race. But going into a workout super exhausted, destroying yourself mentally and physically when you're already physically and mentally destroyed is likely going to do more harm than good. So you can kind of start to think of yourself a little bit more of using kind of a compassion with yourself instead of judging yourself and just accepting that Mm -hmm. what you are able to do today, that's, that's all you're able to give it. If all of those factors around you are, are saying, no, it's time to reduce. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. Then accept that. Be gentle with yourself and take, take what you need. Now, a little bit more tactically with things personally, myself, and with a lot of my one-on-one athletes, we use a lot of metrics to start to look at how you're recovering. Um, and we try to use multiple metrics because, um, one thing I'm not a big fan of is using something like, um, some of the devices, I won't name any specific names that give you just a set score that gives you like a percentage of recovery, basically. Hello everyone. I am really excited to introduce uh, my sponsor, BioOptimizers. If you're not familiar with them, they make some of the highest quality grade supplemental products out there. Um, being my, uh, honestly, my first sponsorship, um, I didn't want to put anything out there that I didn't try, use, uh, or get behind. And um, I'm really excited that, that they've just released their new and improved formula for magnesium breakthrough which is the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. And if you know anything about magnesium, it's a critical mineral for our health and is a precursor to quality rest to help produce melatonin. And so using this new fourth generation formula, Magnesium Breakthrough, uh, it's potent, it's effective, and it will help reduce your stress, improve sleep, and overall boost your energy levels. So uh, I've already taken this, as I mentioned before and you'll want to try this i mean it's it's uh i've given a number of them out for free to friends uh and they've really enjoyed it so if you've never tried it before now's the time to do it uh you can use the code rest 10 at checkout again rest r-e-s-t 10 at checkout in every bottle of magnesium you'll get seven unique form forms of organic full spectrum magnesium which is can dramatically improve your health As I mentioned, it can help you sleep longer and deeper, reduce your stress levels, and help you feel calm. And if you give 
give you abundant all-day energy to win at life. And as you know, that's ultimately in line with the vision of this podcast is to live this one life well to, through rest and recovery. And nothing uh, is going to help much more than magnesium breakthrough. So check it out. Again, rest 10, R-E-S-T 10. It doesn't tell you a lot about what factors are playing into whether or not you're recovered or not recovered. So instead, I like to look at kind of three different components when deciding whether or not to do the training session as planned, whether to reduce the intensity of the session or to take a rest day. So that's kind of the three decisions that I'm trying to make each morning. So what was that again? So um, complete the session as planned, reduce the intensity of the session or take a complete rest day. That's kind of the three options. And I always, I guess, taking a step back from that, I'm always a big fan of having a planned training plan, mm -hmm. not just freewheeling it each day, because that starts to let you find a rhythm and then adapt that training plan based on the life stress around it. Well, and I mean, you always... of planning too, like, which is great on that is there's no thinking. So there's, you're not adding more stress because you're trying to create or come up with whatever it is. And that's just going to add more stress and frustration if you don't have it just like read it and like okay and then you just spend two seconds realizing okay i slept like crap last night yeah i'll dial it back here and here exactly exactly so you always have a, a plan first and then so on that kind of threes i use three different kind of metrics to start to kind of determine whether or not you're ready to train or not i measure hrv and resting heart rate every morning. Personally, I use HRV for training, which is just a single one minute measurement taken right from your phone. And it gives you an HRV score and a resting heart rate. What do you use HRV uh, for training? Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's honestly the simplest app. It's yeah. super low cost. It's a quick daily measurement that gives you your HRV and your resting heart rate. That's the first metric I look at. So after you get a baseline of about a week to two weeks, you can start to use those numbers to look at and see kind of how your HRV and your heart rate is responding to the stress around it. So that's the first thing. If it's way outside, that's my first kind of warning flag to say, okay, maybe we have to change up the training that's happening today. And it's a maybe because there's three scores that I use. The next one is, um, Looking at training peaks, um, I look at my training stress balance or TSB, um, which is essentially the difference between your acute training and your chronic training. So I'll simplify that a little bit. Essentially, your chronic training is about the average for the last six weeks that you've done. The acute is the average that you've done over the last week. So if I've had a massive, massive training week, and that score dips down into a negative, usually at around like tw negative 25, negative 30 is where I'm like, okay, we might need to back things off a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's indication number two that, okay, training load's a little bit high. We might need to reduce a little bit today. The third one is kind of just my subjective um, feelings around the day. And I like HRV for training for this as well, because there's a subjective screen that you can add on there yep. that asks you like how well you slept, what's your muscle soreness, how motivated are you to train? Those are kind of the big three questions that I frequently look at 
is like, how motivated am I? Like, do I really feel like I can do this session or does it feel like I'm going to be really slogging myself to get it done? Right. How's my muscle soreness? Like, am I really, really sore from previous sessions? And then how did I sleep? So kind of just a summary back through those three things, HRV plus heart rate, um, TSB score or training stress balance on training peaks. And then, um, just my subjective feelings, soreness, motivation, and sleep. Okay. And that starts to develop a framework for me to know whether or not I reduce the intensity or take a rest day on that given day. If all three of those are off the charts, really weird HRV, really low TSB, and I'm sore, I'm not motivated, I'm taking a full rest day. Okay. I'm switching into something that's more of like an active walk, um, maybe some yoga, some stretching, um, some non-deep uh, sleep rest protocols like a yoga nidra or something like that. Mm -hmm. Something that I know can start to recover my body in an active setting. So I'm still doing something for that day, but I've made that conscious and active decision that today is, today is not a training day. Yeah. If they're like a little bit off, but overall I'm feeling good. I feel somewhat rested. I feel like I can get the session done. I might just reduce the intensity. So if it's a, let's say it's that heavy, heavy brick workout. Um, I might switch it. And instead of doing like multiple repeats between the two, I might just do a, uh, a bike and then a run off the bike, but keeping it all endurance based, mm -hmm. completing the same, maybe duration roughly, but scaling that intensity way back so that you're, you're putting in the time and extra zone one, two training, easy endurance based training is you can never go wrong. Right. Adding a little bit of that. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how I would adjust based on some, some metrics. I like that <clears throat> last part you mentioned where you might have a total distance, but it might be a threshold or repetition of some sort where you're rotating through because it's intended to build speed, but roll it back. So it's an easy thing, but you're still doing a workout. You're still, like you said, it, it, you're still building up that an engine of growth. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not working on the speed, but that one speed workout is it going to make or break you? And probably the value of doing the endurance effort that day will produce more potential fruit, right? From a force multiplier. Absolutely. And especially if kind of like we said back to it, if you're sitting in a not so great overall position, like if your life bucket is full already, and then you've got to go do these tempo intervals, you might not <laughs> get them done properly. You, you risk injuring yourself potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's, it's just not going to be as effective for the long-term vision of what, of what you're trying to accomplish. So that. how do you, for the subjective piece, all, you know, keeping in the total load and lifestyle in mind, how is that going to impact the other domains of your life too? Are you going to start showing up, you know, not ready for your business meeting or, you know, maybe a little more cranky <laughs> with your, wife and kids unnecessarily. So you're not really a joy to be around. Um, yeah. Considering those things um, in hindsight for me too, it, you know, personal anecdote was, was definitely an un, 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 unintended and unrealized byproduct until I got there. Absolutely. And it comes back to that mindset piece that I talked about too. If you go into that session, like 
I have to get this session done no matter what, right? We're using that kind of tempo or threshold, hard, hard interval session. It doesn't go well, which in hindsight, you probably knew it wasn't going to go well if you're already kind of suffering going into it. Right. They're going to spend the rest of the day beating yourself up that the session didn't go well. Right. When that could have been solved completely just by making an active decision to say, no, we just need to scale it back. Let's just go out for the run. Let's do an easy endurance, hmm. put on a podcast, put on some music that you like. Let just be out there. Enjoy that time on your feet. And then, like you said, you come back and everything else you have to deal with, work, helping with the kids, helping around the house, doing your work, going to a meeting, all of that kind of stuff is going to help balance things out versus yeah. beating yourself up all day and, and being cranky with everybody because you're <laughs> annoyed that your workout didn't go well. It's a negative when, snowball. Exactly. And then that, and then that can feed into day to day to day, right? If you have a bad workout one day, well, then you have to feel like you got to make it up the next day. Right. And then you end up in this kind of burnout cycle. Mm -hmm. And I was there not in endurance sports, but when I was speed skating, that's how I would go. A practice or a session wouldn't go well. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, we got to crush ourselves on the next session just yeah. to make up for the poor session when in again, hindsight for me, had I been looking at some of these, these metrics and, and tracking how I'm feeling, I might've known that that first session wasn't going to go well. Yeah. I should have just reduced it. Yeah. So in hindsight for you, um, looking back at the subjective piece, right? The, the personal assessment, um, what are the, some of the recommendations that, you know, you try and coach people. And, and again, it's hard to apply when you're assessing yourself, but okay, maybe I'm on that edge. How do you, how do you, what are indicators for you? Uh, maybe your personal dashboard lights at like, Hey, you know, you may want to take it easy other than the obvious of like, okay, I woke up and didn't sleep good. Some of those things, but just more over that buildup over time, like, Hey, I might be on the verge of getting sick or like wearing myself out. What are some of those, um, alerts for you? It's, it, kind of like subjectively like questions I always ask myself. And again, it is harder to do with yourself because yeah. you're always going to, you're going to be asking yourself that same question of, should I push it or should I take a rest? Should I push it? Should I take it back? And it's, it's a tough line to walk <clears throat> in general. I look at kind of the soreness, the sleep and the motivation and those three pieces subjectively for me are, are what clue me in that today might need to be a little bit easier than planned essentially. Right. So I always kind of, I, I use HRV for training, which kind of just lets you rank those things mm -hmm. on there. But even after the fact, like if it's later in the day, I've, I've done my HRV in the morning, I'm getting ready to train and I might make a split second decision. Like, eh, should I reduce it a little bit? I usually come back to those three things. Do I feel rested? Do I feel sore? And do I feel motivated? Um, typically, what I usually suggest to athletes is that, you know, one day through the week where you're feeling like that, you're probably okay to push through. It's not like if you're like questioning, basically. Mm -hmm. If it's clear, like you're sore, you're tired, you're not motivated to do the session, that's a pretty cut and dry, okay reduce it. 
it's on that edge where it's like, should I push? Should I not push? When you're in that state, there's a couple different options for you. One, if it's just one day through the week, give the session a try, right? Do your warm up. Often for my workouts, I do a bit of a warm up. I do a bit of like an endurance paced session and then I'll go into like my heavier intervals. So I might do the warm up, the endurance, and then I might try that first tempo or threshold interval. Yeah. And, and honestly, just fully give it a try. Most times I surprise myself that once I get that far into the workout, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm fine. I feel good. It was just a little off day and I'm good to push through. However, if I get through the warm up and into that endurance and I'm starting to feel, still feel really sluggish, not feeling the best, I might make the call there mm -hmm. out there to say, nope, we're scrapping the, the intervals today. Just going to finish the rest of the workout at this nice endurance pace, maybe cut it back a little bit if I'm feeling sluggish. Um, but make that kind of decision on the fly based on, based on how you're feeling physically, yeah. the more you train and the more you ask yourself these questions and the more you start thinking around these kind of different subjective markers, you'll start to have a bit more of an internal framework to know when it's okay to push and when you should probably just back off that intensity a yeah. little bit. No, that's great. That's great practical advice. Um, and, and, you know, I would echo the same sentiment. Like personally, I'm training for a half marathon and had a couple episodes like that myself was where, you know, I didn't feel great waking up, but like you said, I encourage you to go through and see and test yourself to see how you feel. Maybe it, shakes itself out and you can just carry mm -hmm. on. But there are other times where I think it was intervals and and I had to do eight and I stopped at five because I, yeah. I just felt like I was wearing a weight vest and it was mm -hmm. like, this is not working. I'm going to end up hurting myself. And I finally learned some lessons from my personal life in the past. So hopefully that's some advice for folks listening too. is, is it'll be okay if you're just yeah. off a little bit. And and a lot of the science behind like, especially like interval training and those higher intensity sets is that you actually should be stopping before you're dead exhausted. Yeah. You should be finishing. So whether it's a set of eight, let's say kind of in your example, <clears throat> if you get to five and you're pretty much done, you're not hitting the targets. You're not hitting the pace anymore. It's pretty much time to wrap it up anyway. Cause the next ones you're just going to be, again, from a mindset, you're going to be destroying yourself mentally, right? But then physically you're probably, you're pushing past the point where it's going to be beneficial anymore. So even the science is supports that kind of that's, that's the top out for you. There might be another day you get the eight in, but on that day you were only meant to do five. Yeah, physically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just this, take it for what it is and it's still progress, right? One is greater than zero every time. So, uh, you're not on the couch and, and keep it in context. So, uh, yeah. so similar vein around pacing, that's always an elusive, like mythical character of, of being able to, you know, that rate of perceived effort versus like dialing in a prescribed pace. Um, when you work with, with clients, it's probably a similar conversation to what we're talking about but how to uh, subjectively understand your pacing and like how you feel within that context to assess. Cause a lot of times you see percentages on effort for a particular run or whatever. Um, 
how do you work with clients and, and guide them along those lines? So I use, I, again, I, I use a variety of metrics. Most of my athletes have either a Garmin, some kind of watch, heart yep. rate monitors, that sort of things. So typically I use um, heart rate based training. Um, and then for some of my other athletes, we like the top athletes will use more power and mm -hmm. um, pace. So power on the bike um, and usually pace on the run. Um, but with all of them, I also use a lot of RPE guided. So rate of perceived exertion, because I strongly believe that you shouldn't rely fully on whatever the number that says on your watch. You should also intuitively understand kind of where those zones lie. Mm -hmm. So with RPE, I typically use the 10 point scale. There's a couple different ones, but 10 is just easy. So if you haven't used it before, essentially you're asking yourself the question on a scale from zero to 10, how hard are you working? Most people can, can find somewhere on that line, roughly that they're working. And then I try to set each zone with kind of a target in mind for RPE. So using like our endurance example, um, usually I say somewhere between like a three to four on the RPE is around your endurance zone. That's your kind of all day pace. Like you're working, but with the right fuel, the right motivation and setting, you could probably keep that pace on all day long mm -hmm. into kind of tempo. that's like five, six, and then threshold kind of above that would be more of like a seven. And then if you're in that eight, nine, that's your peaks, that's your max. So trying to use some different terms. So endurance, tempo, threshold, relating that to an RPE number. And then as we start to get more specific, relating that further to a heart rate, power, or pace. So you can start to dial in how you're feeling on, on any given day from a pacing perspective. Okay. Does that, yeah. does that kind of help simplify that a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a great framework. I think to, to draw the correlation because sometimes, you know, you got the science and the subjective is what we're, we're talking about and you got the numbers and you're like, but I feel whatever it is, feel horrible or great in that pace. And I was like, is that too easy? Is it too hard? So, and it's always, uh, especially when you're coaching new to a sport or new athletes, uh, I've done some coaching for youth. So trying to explain pace is a very challenge, you know, to try and gauge yourself of what that perceived effort is, um, mm -hmm. is a, is a challenging thing when at 40 something, I'm still at times trying to assess that for myself. Yeah. The other one that's quite helpful for, for new athletes in particular, um, is using a bit of like a talk test with that as well. Yeah, right. So if you're able to have like a decent conversation with someone, then typically you're in that endurance or less zone. Um, once you start getting into that kind of tempo threshold, that kind of mid range of the zones, it, it becomes more of a texting conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I picked that up from another coach where it's kind of like short words, short sentences, um, kind of lots of breaths in between because you can't quite get enough words out. And then beyond that, when you're in the, the kind of the upper zone, zone five or four, five and up, it's, it's like barely any words. It might be a word or two more of a grunt and a like puff of air. So it's another good way, especially if you're starting out with running, maybe, maybe you haven't invested in a heart rate monitor or a watch. You're just using a, a timer and a marked distance, um, to start to train, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great place to start. If that's your beginning, 
but use something like a talk test. So you say, okay, if I'm going to go out for more of an endurance based ride, I should be able to or run. I should be able to have conversation mm-hmm. while I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a little bit more, let's say we're going to do some intervals. Okay. Can you make that a bit more of like a texting conversation that as you're going through, you can only get a couple words out. And then if you're doing some max like sprints, well, you're easy to figure out where that is. Cause you're going pretty close to maximum there. <laughs> right. Awesome. No, those, those are great tips. I think that are very practical in, in ways that, you know, regardless of where you are on the, the spectrum of fitness or entry level into a particular thing that you can kind of gauge yourself and determine, and then be able to throttle back or, or up depending on the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're kind of talking around this, but you know, overtraining under recovered, um, what are some of your go-to recoveries that you prescribe for yourself or your, your, your clients? So I, I like the way you put that. And it's, it's something that I've been trying to use a lot more is that I, I truly don't think there's necessarily an overtrained athlete in the cases. There is extreme cases where you can get to an overtraining syndrome. The vast majority of us, if we're in kind of the same population we're talking about, are typically covered. So the first thing I always tell we got to make sure you're supplementing enough recovery in there to match the training. Now, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it, it needs to be kind of equatable. If you're training just a few times a week, you probably don't need as much recovery as someone that's doing a a half or a full Ironman training plan. Um, so that's kind of the first principle I always give everybody with recovery. Okay. And then recovery for me, it actually comes down to kind of five pillars as I've described, um, in some of my work before one is kind of well-planned sustainable training. Two is sleep. Three is nutrition. Four is rest and some supplemental days, which I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about what that is. And then five, now I'm blanking on my fifth one. <laughs> well, there's, there's four. There's four. Uh, those are good, four good ones. Those are four. Those are the four main ones. The fifth one can't be that important if I forgot about it. So the first one, like, well thought out training that kind of comes back to what I said at the beginning, you should have a training plan. It should be kind of organized with, um, a fair amount of kind of easy endurance based training. Mm -hmm. I usually start people around that whole kind of 80, 20 split. So 80% being fairly easy, um, in that endurance or lower zones, and then 20% being in the upper zones spread out based on what your goals are. Of course, there's, there's a lot of variety. And as I'm working with athletes, we, we, steer away from that 80, 20, depending mm-hmm. on what their life circumstances is, but it's a good place to start when you're looking at planning really sustainable training. Um, pillar number two, I think I said was nutrition. Um, so I don't do a lot of personal nutrition coaching. It falls just a little bit outside of what I'm comfortable doing, but I always recommend if you're questioning your nutrition, speak to a registered dietitian, um, about your nutrition that session or a few sessions with them will be way more worth it in terms of your recovery than buying like 
the latest gadget or device that right. claims it's going to help you recover. Spend your money talking to someone who can help you sort out the food and the fuel that you're using pre post and during your training. Cause that's a huge bucket of recovery. Yeah. And a big um, I think that a lot of people ignore, I know I did for a little while, especially depending on the distance, right? You start getting into the upper echelons or really to me, any triathlon, even if it's a sprint, because of the, yes. the shifts, it, you can go on for an extended period of time. Absolutely. And, and it, it's learning what, what to eat before, what to eat during, how are you eating afterwards? How are you adjusting your total intake and, and food to support that, that volume? And I would think training. too, uh, especially for triathlons, but that is part of point number one you made, which is part of your training program where you integrate that in because you don't know how your stomach's going to respond to certain things. Uh, so quick tip for anybody thinking about a triathlon or long distance is like, you, you gotta account for your stomach a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. I small personal aside on my first Ironman that I just did in, in August, I nice. had some interesting experiences on the bike in particular, Yeah, um, getting enough food in and then spending the rest of the bike trying to catch up. <laughs> with that food because things didn't sit well and I didn't get enough in early on and, yeah. and some lessons there. So it's definitely, even for myself, it's still a work in progress. I think it will always be a work in progress, Yeah, but yeah. it is definitely a big factor. So, uh, point number three, point number three was your sleep. Sleep is your biggest recovery, um, tool in your toolbox. Um, if you're looking to optimize and kind of start to target your recovery and your training, it has to come back to your sleep and sleep kind of, there's two things that I usually recommend people look at their sleep quantity and their sleep quality. So typically athletes and adults need anywhere from seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Um, there's going to be outliers that need less. There's going to be outliers that need more. But I generally say if you're in that seven to nine hours, most nights, you're probably in a good spot. Again, new parents, there's some things you're going to have to work on. Absolutely. You might have to look at adding in some naps through the day to account for like a little bit less sleep through the night. And then from a sleep quality, there's lots of different factors that can influence sleep. Um, just kind of a quick hit of a few things, um, setting the temperature in your room, nice and cool, minimizing light um, limiting caffeine or alcohol consumption right before bed. Um, and then the other big one that I've found is just being really consistent with wake up and sleep times yep. as much as possible. Again, it depends on your life circumstances. And I always try to tailor when I'm working with athletes, we try to sort some of this stuff out so that you can maximize that within the context of your, over your life. So Great. sleep is kind of your, biggest recovery driver. And then number four was kind of rest days and supplemental sessions. And I kind of mentioned, I alluded to some of the supplemental sessions and stuff that I, I typically add in through the week. So, um, typically within my own training and all the way through Ironman training, I was taking two rest days a week, um, and training five days a week. Typically I was training three days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, take a rest day on Tuesday, um, then train Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, take a rest day on Friday. 
My Friday rest day was a function of my work schedule. I work a longer day in the clinic that day. Um, so it's just not easy to get training in. So it turned into pretty much an automatic rest day. And then Tuesday, because I was doing all my long training on the weekend, by the time I got around to Monday, Tuesday, I was ready for another break typically. Now, the way I structure it is that Friday was always a rest day from training. Um, but the Tuesday one sometimes floated. So it might be that I, I might've got up on Monday morning after a long, long weekend. And I'm like, Nope, I need a rest day today. Okay. We'll train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday instead, or I might push through on Wednesday, take the rest day of Tuesday. I might push through, take the rest day on Wednesday. It, it, that day floats a little bit and it floats based on the metrics that I talked about at the beginning Okay. that if I wake up on one of those days and I'm done, that's going to be a rest day for me. Now, typically my rest days are not like, I don't do nothing on those days. I try to add in some active things that still prepare me well for training the next day and the day after. And that's kind of where those supplemental sessions come in. So some big supplemental sessions that I use personally with myself. And then I encourage a lot of my athletes to do, um, regular mobility and stretching. Mm -hmm. You can never go wrong working on a little bit of your mobility for triathletes, mobility through the hips and back. So you can sit on the bike. Well, mobility through the shoulders and neck. So you can have a really strong swim stroke. Um, and then kind of calves, hips and ankles for runners are big areas to kind of work on at least from my experience. Um, and then topping that off, if you're working more of a desk job, you're probably going to benefit from some mobility anyway, if you're being in that position all day long, hundred percent, which where most of us are, whether it's at the desk or your commute to and from you're exactly not an optimal position for athletics. No. And then you're trying to run or you're trying to do triathlon in a completely different position Mm. from there. So mobility is always a session I'll add in. Um, I alluded to like a yoga nidra or a non deep sleep rest. Um, there's some great YouTube videos. It's basically like a meditation type protocol that brings you into a very relaxed and, and state of rest, but you're not actually sleeping. Um, I was using them a lot during my Ironman training because, um, Monday through Thursday, I train in the morning and then I work afternoon to evenings in the clinic. So usually right after lunch, after I fueled, they see nutrition, I would pop down on, on the bed, put in like a 10 or 15 minute yoga nidra on, on, on YouTube. And by the time I got up from that, I was ready to then go in the clinic again and, and give my best to my clients and, and my patients that I was working in that evening. So again, it's that back to that balance of yeah. things. Can you find 10 minutes? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and, and whatever that is, yoga nidra is a great active approach or anything that can create that kind of, uh, demarcation point of an end to something and then a beginning. So you can like kind of shift your brain, even on the mental aspect where you, you talked about earlier in, okay, now you're going to a new, new thing. And like, let's start fresh, not kind of just roll right into the next thing. And that's, that's another thing of like creating, I'll call it micro rest, those little breaks in between mm. to get that clear boundary. Um, so that, to prevent that kind of burnout, approach. Cause if you're just kind of rolling through, uh, the engine's always at fourth gear and you, you, something's going to, going to come off. 
Absolutely. Those, those breaks are so important. I'll often do sometimes, even if I don't have 10 minutes, I might do a few rounds of just like a, a breathing technique. So whether that's like a box breath. So like I usually use like a four by four, yeah. um, for that, um, or something like a, a prolonged exhale. So it might be like a three second in and then working to like a six or a nine second exhale, do two or three of those just to kind of switch you out of that previous activity into the next kind of goes back what we talked about like that if you do that tempo or threshold session and you feel like crap you're cooling down on the bike and then you suddenly you jump in maybe you hop right in the shower and then you're slamming in food and then you might snap at your your family because you're you're hungry and you're frustrated yeah rushing. What, if bef- what if before that just between getting off the bike and heading in for your shower you took two or three minutes to do some breathing let what just happened go mm-hmm. and reset for that next thing. Suddenly then you're going to start, you can take some of that stuff out of the bucket, out of that overall stress. And like you said, it breaks into the next cycle. Yeah. And it, and it goes along along the lines of the theme we've been talking about on the training pieces. Like it's important, but it's not critical where like, it's okay to adjust down you're getting something mm-hmm. and be content with that. It's that similar, I think, mindset of like that two to three minutes is going to feel when you're getting off the bike or coming in from your run that I don't have two minutes to do this. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you do. And it's yeah. going to benefit you exponentially uh, yeah. to do that uh, two to and three. If you, absolutely. And if you don't, like if you truly don't have time, what I usually suggest, if you can't do it before transitioning into the next activity, and that's even like having a shower, getting cleaned up from your ride, do a few rounds of breathing in the shower. Right. Not extensive because that can cause other issues like passing out and stuff, but just spend a few minutes as you're starting to get in the shower. Just take a few deep breaths. Let that last session go so that when you step out, you're now ready for whatever's next in your life because there's always going to be something more for for the type of athletes that i'm working with and and like you said for people like yourself that there's multiple facets you you're not just training and then spending the rest of the day doing nothing right you've got work you've got life you've got kids you've got partners you've got other commitments yeah that's great uh Tanner, you know, I really appreciate the insights. I, I think it's fantastic, practical, um, growth-oriented mindset type of approach to help continue down the path uh, for everyone. And ultimately, we're you know, it's for longevity. I know you know you're a little bit younger than I am, but uh, one or two years. Uh, but it's about longevity. It's about having you know all the things that, that we know we want and be able to, you know, I I've been thinking about like, I want to be able to, you know, drive the hoop on my great grandkid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he might be five at the time, but still uh, I might be 95, but you know, you get the point is the, the vision and does that action align with that vision mm-hmm. and will it really be cataclysmic in all likelihood? No, but it's progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I appreciate your time insights, man. Um, where can folks find you and, and sign up for your coaching? 
So you guys, you can find me at on pretty much every channel at Excel underscore endurance. That's the the coaching company. Um, and then you can find me personally at Chandler Scott PT on um, both Twitter and Instagram is there. So I have a couple different accounts. It's mostly the same content. So I would suggest check out the Excel endurance first. And then if you want to, to follow me personally on some of my journey, check out the Chandler Scott PT. Cool. Um, and in, terms of coaching, um, you can find most of the, um, links and signups and stuff like that on all of my social media channels. Um, a lot of what we've talked about today is, is, is how I coach. It's how I train and it's how I coach. So very kind of sustainable training focused. We're focused on, on, on building great athletes for the long term, not just for one race and then you're done. We're trying to build habits that, that sustain you for a lifetime, basically. Great. Um, got a few different options along that, that you can find most of the information on the sites and, uh, please like people can send me an email, send me a DM. I'm happy to, to chat about where it might fit for, to work with us or, um, if it, if it won't, that's great, but follow along. Cause I think there's some helpful tips. You can awesome. Get. Well, before we close it out, I like to ask a couple, uh, personal questions. So what are you reading right now? Ooh, I'm reading about seven books right now. <laughs> All right. Pick one. I, I, <laughs> um, I think the, the cool or the most interesting one, let's go with that. I'm reading, um, do hard things by Steve Magnus, yep. um, which I'm really, really enjoying kind of a different take on what it means to do things hard. And it's really, really good. Yeah. I'm doing the audible right now too. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. What are you listening to right now? Be it music or podcast. Um, mostly music these days. Um, I mean, I'm in like a, like a camp mountain joy phase in my life. So some indie folk is usually always on, on my speaker while I'm working or okay. even working out lately. <laughs> <laughs> good way to keep the, the stress levels down right kind of exactly exactly steady right it's sustainable yeah. um all right what's your go-to rest and recovery method go-to has to be sleep of some form yeah. um whether that's a nap or a something like a yoga nidra or just hitting the pillow at the end of the night <laughs> that's my go-to recovery every time great chandler thank you so much appreciate you take care Thanks for having me, Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. Please share this information far and wide. Rate, review, would appreciate all of the support, uh, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can also check out episodes on any of your favorite podcast platforms, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or you can check out the website at www.berestedbewell.com. Thanks, and have a great day.